everyone, and welcome to Scene Partners. Scene, scene, scene. Partners. <laughs> What's going on with you today? What is the deal? I have been working in my yard all day, so I'm very tired. <laughs> Me too. Today's been crazy. You know, we just we just talked about how schedules were picking up again. Yeah. And so I like had to. I I was at the theater today doing some last minute like touch up things because I'm weird and. I, I just can't stop working on a set sometimes. And it's also tech week and for you. It is tech week. Well, today is actually the day that the children's program opens their show. So when this when this episode airs, that night will be the opening night for Peter Pan Jr. We'll break a leg tonight. I know. Well, I mean, hopefully. Hopefully not. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> Yeah, we're um we we are excited. Today I was putting the finishing touches on my favorite set piece, which is the doghouse, but I sent you a picture of that. I'm just really proud of the chimney and then I also like the the smoke coming out of the chimney that I added at the last minute. You can never have too much. That's my motto. Why why <laughs> just why so does many the dog things. have a chimney in its doghouse? That sounds like a setup for a joke. It's not. I'm, oh. a, I'm genuinely asking. <laughs> what's the point of having a chimney? Well, in a we dark were, house? I was just trying to make it look as re- like a real house. Like you know, when you read the the when you read the book, like the actual Peter Pan novel, mm-hmm. it talks about Nana's house inside the house, and it's like you know the description of it is like it's a little bitty house, and so that's what I did. I was like, I'm gonna make a little bitty house. So and there's I just a, tried there's to a... make it look as real as possible. I wanted to put. A little like sconce outside that lit up. I just thought that would be so funny, and like oh, the little mailbox. Oh, it'd just be so so cool. Realistically, how how long is this on set for? Yeah, I mean it's only <laughs> it's on for maybe like a total of ten minutes. But I mean it is really fun. It is really it's fun, and I think it's funny. It and reminds just, me of when you did your your tin man my, house. My tin man house, and it was so elaborate, and, and it, it could have been on stage for more than five pounds. minutes. <laughs> it was the heaviest set piece. <laughs> I believe the, the kids used the word piece. extra. It was very extra, but it looked really good. It did. It looked really good. So you know, but yeah, this the the and you know the kids get so excited about that stuff when i put the chimney when i like they saw that the thing had the chimney and the smoke on it and everything they just thought that it was the the coolest thing ever so really it's all about it's nothing to do with storytelling it's just about me being cool to a 9 year old that's yeah. really what that's why there's a chimney <laughs> you crave attention you don't care where it comes I from i don't care what where it comes from as long <laughs> as i'm you know cool in the eyes of something right i'm i'm good but no, so we we like did the finishing touches of it, and it was kind of it was kind of neat. Like I got really excited. The some of the board members were there to do like a cleanup day, which is something that we've always done um, before the show. We go and we just clean the building and get everything ready for the show, and it just kind of felt like, oh right, this is normal. This is like going back to the way things used to be, right? Um, and then you know, with the the normal things of getting messages and saying you know, the last minute that certain people aren't going to do the thing that they said they were going to do for you, which is what we had just talked about last time. And I was like, this is hilarious. Um, and that's already happening. So it, it's just right back to normal. Here like we, we just jumped right back in. And you know what? Lexi and I were just talking, and I just cannot believe. So we're going to go on uh, like 
a vacation. Mm-hmm. All of us, scene partners, are going to go on vacation. And when we get back from that vacation in July, we're only going to have two weeks before Mockingbird starts. I know. I'm very excited about all Which of that. It's crazy. It just seems like, is it really going to, though? Like, I just, it's, <laughs> I'm so afraid that for some reason this it's not because I just have been waiting for it. Well, one way or the for other. For so long. Yeah, one way or the other. The vacation is going to be either a celebration to what we almost got to do again or yeah. it's going to be here's the last rest we get <laughs> yeah before things I really think take it's off it's going to be the last rest we get i think that's what it's going to be and i kind of like i also like that all of us are going i think it's going to be so much fun and it also is kind of like all right all of us are going to be in this together this next year <laughs> of doing just all the shows back to back to back to back to back yeah and i do kind of like that it's our last break i think that's kind of neat um, but I am excited for the kids to get to perform the show. I mean, we're already like the tickets are selling like crazy, which is really awesome and exciting to think that there's going to be a big audience, you know, like a potential full house for every show. Um, I mean, we at, at this moment, we've got, you know, well, while we're recording this, of course, I just said this is airing on the day that it opens but while we're recording it. We're about five days away. From the from the performance, and we've already more we've sold more than half of every single night. Oh, that's awesome! So that's awesome. I mean, that's really exciting. I think that shows that you know people are very hungry to return to, you know, any form of entertainment that isn't just Netflix or Hulu mm-hmm. or Amazon Prime and things like that. Or they're at least curious about how I'm gonna have a kid fly at the fox. <laughs> like, how's he going to do it? Wait and see. <laughs> it, 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 the, the way you've done it, though, I, I have to admit, it's, you know, I know I've said it before, but it's really inventive in a way that I never would have thought. And you just get the full, it feels more actiony than in a regular show where they would, you know, just swing them left to right yeah. to me. Well, I kind of like that the kids are in control. Yeah. Or, you know, like the darling kids are. Peter Pan's not in control. Um, she's probably just hoping for the best. But, I mean, she's in control. We're in control together. Um, how about we'll say that? She's got her fingers crossed. She, I do believe in fairies. I do believe in fairies. <laughs> she's probably believing whatever she needs to to get through the scene. But, um, but yeah, the, I do kind of like that the kids are kind of like, you know, making themselves fly. I think that's kind of cool. And then, of course, since we've done this, I've now thought about like 20 other ways that I could have done it and it would have been neat. But it is what it is. And I think that what we settled on was the most like affordable and kind of neat way. But, you know, being poor will really get you to be innovative, you know, be very creative. (laughs) Being poor gets you to be very creative. You said that and I immediately thought of my college days and it was like ramen and Mm -hmm. anything that you could put in with it. Yeah, to make it. Interesting. And that's basically what this show is. It's, it's ramen with a bunch of other things that Here's I can find. Here's some cheese whiz tonight. Oh, yeah. we're going to try a little extra garlic powder. Oh, my God. Cheese whiz? Dude, you try anything. It's like it tastes the same. Oh, Lord. Those days are behind me, though, I will say. You know, I've been thinking a lot about, um, because we, we are opening Peter Pan today, but what opened last week or what came out last week was In the Heights, which is just like this awesome movie musical which i haven't even had time to watch which is ridiculous but i'm really excited about it and i just hear all these really great things and um i've seen i've seen the stage version of the show and so i am really excited to see how they translated it into film 
But I am also excited because all of these people, like I, th- I think that in a way Hamilton kind of made in the Heights more approachable for people. Yeah. Whereas before, if they would not have known about Hamilton or Hamilton wouldn't have been, that's, you know, crazy, weird social thing, cultural thing. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, then we wouldn't have been able to have in the Heights be so accessible to so many people, which I just, I'm, I'm really excited or that the movie would have even happened. I am just really excited about that. Um, and I'm also kind of intrigued as, as to like, you know, like you, I, I've, I've said before, my niece is staying with us. She's never once heard a song from in the Heights. I don't think, mm. um, but she does, she loves musicals, but you know, she's new. <laughs> I mean, I've heard her sing song. a lot of Dear Evan Hansen songs around she's, the house. Yeah, she's singing Dear Evan Hansen like crazy all the time. But she's constantly being introduced to these musicals that, you know, I sometimes just think, like, how could you not know that? And she's like, I am 11. I'm like, oh, right, yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> um, but, you know, she's never heard In the Heights before. She, she doesn't know anything about it. She saw a preview for it, and she's, like, crazy excited about this. And she's like, that's the person who wrote Hamilton that did this. And I was like, yeah. That is the person. Yes. She's like, I'm so excited to watch this movie because she loves Hamilton so much. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I, I just think that that's really awesome. But I also am, am kind of intrigued because I have been hearing so many people talk about Hamilton in a negative light. In what way? In like in the way that I wouldn't have expected, as far as that people don't think that. Um, that it is as revolutionary of an idea or that it really shouldn't be produced like that. It's not um, that it's not right for people of color to do this show where the people who they're portraying, they're like building up and making these people's names popular again, who had enslaved people like slaves working for them. And, so they were so they were like we're making these people seem so much more approachable and cool and we're performing these like this show is mainly performed for rich white audiences so it's like <laughs> i mean you're not wrong on that front. yeah it's i know it's like a very good argument i feel like but i'm also like i don't i, I don't know i i don't know i don't know so mm, i think the thing that i'm sort of think or that I thought especially when I watched it is that you have these people of color that are taking control of the story right yeah that's what I was and I mean of course yet again two white dudes talking about this yeah I mean I don't I don't really have a leg to stand on truthfully (laughs) yeah I mean not me neither but I, I I do I do feel that way as well and so I'm just kind of interested in this other form of the argument about it not not aging very well in a sense that it's that it's now like oh well maybe it's it it shouldn't be performed or they're like tired of hearing it you know and um a lot of people talk about it's it's like the George Washington storyline that mm-hmm. it builds George Washington up so much whenever he himself um had enslaved people working for him it's interesting to say that, though, because I don't know that I walked away from watching it thinking that anyone was a hero. I think we saw flaws and villainy in every single character, which I think is what right. makes it very interesting from a narrative standpoint. But I think you have to understand and really like sort of celebrate the cultural impact of it in that 
these people of color are taking over the narrative and they're doing it in a way that is, I think, culturally relative to music that is more akin to them. Yeah. Well, they're they're making it more their story in America as well. Yeah. It's not like, oh, here's defying gravity and, you know, mm-hmm. everything's in a major key. It's well, it definitely was, you know, like in the Heights came before Hamilton. Um, but and in the Heights was kind of like a rap musical, mm-hmm. but not like Hamilton is. You know, Hamilton is more of of just like a lyrical masterpiece in a yeah. sense. I mean, it is really, truly brilliant. But I, I just I think that there's always an argument to be made for any side. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know. if Maybe we maybe we just can't talk about this. Maybe not. But, you know, you also said a few weeks ago talking about um, Mockingbird, about how Atticus is the white savior, but it's also like this is a oh, story yeah, worth telling. Yeah, it's still a story worth telling. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think that it's a story worth telling. I think that it brings a different audience in to see shows and, you know, brings up a different part of our history for for certain. I think that that just because our history is, you know, fraught with these horrible indignities that you know, that our country is built upon doesn't mean that we should not tell those stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that it's probably a good thing. You know, I, I like I was thinking about the, the character, the guy who played, who originated the role of George Washington in the musical. He said that at the very end, he had to have like, he kind of had his own moment of trying to reconcile this this you know role that he's playing that he's playing this character who had slaves and you know being an african-american man and he's playing this role and like how is he going to do that and so in his way there's like this line at the end of the show and that he like it's all the way at the very end like right whenever they're going through and they're talking about all the people and like and you know that the the history after hamilton had died and Liza went to, you know, do the orphanage thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can't totally remember everything um, that he that they talk about Washington and they say this one line and he looks down at the ground and feels shame. And that's how he reconciled the entire thing. I was like, ah, <laughs> I mean, that's a that, I mean, it's a moment. I, no one's going to know that. Yeah. <laughs> Because and whenever he said that, I was like, oh, that I didn't even I remember that. And I remember seeing a clip of it and saying, oh, yeah, he does look down. He does look down. Okay. Yeah, he looks down. But that's how the actor, you know, yeah, I, he found his way in to justify. It. Yeah, it's it's I don't have that perspective of, you know, being conflicted in that way. But I think. Ultimately, you have to service the story from an actor standpoint. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, no dog in this fight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Me neither. I'm just I'm just interested in, you know, now we've gotten to a point and I don't know if it's a bad, a, a good thing or a bad thing where things are now like we don't necessarily want to perform like classical storylines or. Um, certain works, you know, like To Kill a Mockingbird, there's a whole, you know, group of people that think that we just shouldn't do it because of the white, the, the white knight, um, that Atticus Finch is coming in to save the day. Um, 
and that it's told from a by a, a white female. So how could she know the perspective? But it's told from her perspective. Yeah. And so I just it's the context of the story in that in that right particular case. Now I do think, and I am super interested in in seeing other stories. And I mean, I mean, I'm sure there are. I do wish that it would be more available for us to be able to do some August Wilson and stuff like that. I, I really would yeah. love to do that. Um, I just wish that we would have the actors to be able to do something like that. That would be amazing. Um, I just I I do think that even though that we are moving forward as a society and we're trying to be more aware, you know, even with what when something that I didn't think was necessarily touchable for people to speak poorly upon, which is like Hamilton, I didn't think anybody would ever be able to say a bad thing about that show. And now here we are. People are saying bad things about it. I'm like, man, I guess really in a way, nothing is safe. Now I I don't think that I, I think that if there is an issue that people should talk about it. Yes. Um, but I also think like, I mean, Hamilton is an awesome show and it did so many amazing things mm-hmm. for so many people and minority actors. And it gave all of these people jobs and it celebrated them. And I mean, it like launched Leslie Odom's career. Yeah. Beyond belief. And, you know, I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just think that, you know, maybe it's a discussion that can be had, but I don't think that the show should be blacklisted. Yeah. Maybe it's like the uh, the Disney thing on Disney Plus when they have like, well, for example, Peter Pan. Now mm-hmm. they have like a disclaimer at the very beginning. Yeah, I've noticed that they have the disclaimers at the beginning. Like yeah. before there was something that, I, that, my, that my niece was watching and I saw the disclaimer at the beginning and I was like, what is that? Yeah, it's like, you know, this is at the time culturally the story was written and they made the film and it was right. done this way. But today it's not, we do not hold these values. Yes. And I think that that's awesome and interesting. It's like, you know, we're not erasing this mm-hmm. because, if, but we also want to contextualize what you're about to see. Yeah. I mean, I, I do know that they changed some stuff in the Peter Pan play that we're doing right now, where they've changed the ways the the, the way that they talk about Tiger Lily and, her brave girls is in, and I think that that's a good thing. I think that that's right, that we should make some accommodations as far as that goes. You know, we now understand that this is not, or, you know, I mean, this is just, this is really hard to talk about. Yes. This is really difficult. But, I mean, it, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't talk about it because it's difficult, but it is really hard yes. to figure out what to say. You know, I was thinking about this the other day, like, I see all these celebrities like a couple of years ago, you know, Kevin Hart had to, you know, re-apologize for something that he had said. And I'm not, you know, yeah. one way or the other condoning what he said or what he didn't say. But what I am saying is that I think it's important that we're growing. Yes, that we grow. Yes. And it's like, you know, I don't have to be the same circumstance of, you know, what I was. And I, and I was listening to this podcast about um, this guy who's this like designer and he's tailoring suits and stuff and like he used to be really addicted to drugs and it is really hard for people that you know have that addiction to break that stigma Mm -hmm. right but not just living your life in that way and fashion it's like no I'm going to show you that I'm different and I think that's important like for us to grow and stop saying Indians to say brave girls yeah in this sense of course 
And it also being a children's show is starting from the ground up in yes. a sense where we're like making this a change for the children so that as they go older, they realize that, oh, no, Indians are from India. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes a whole lot of sense. It's like that Eddie Izzard joke where he's like, oh, look, we're in America. Ooh, who are you? Those are the Indians. No, 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 no. <laughs> Those are the native indigenous that's, people. <laughs> that's wrong. That's the wrong word. Mm, they're Indians. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't get it. But I'm really. I I am excited that things are moving forward. I wish that there was. I wish that I just knew how to talk about this stuff a little bit better, I guess, mm -hmm. and the way I feel about it. Because I do think that the discussion needs to happen, and I don't think that it's a bad thing that we make these changes. But I don't think... Um, you know what the thing is? Is that I don't want to be heard, or I, I don't want to sound like I'm one of those people that's saying, don't tear down my Civil War statues. Like, I don't want to... <laughs> oh, I'm not God. that guy. Like, that's not yeah. what I want. Like, don't erase no. my history. It's like, no, that was five years. <laughs> like the, of the 200-year history of, of America, you're talking history. five years? Five years, and we're going to put up a statue. It's just absolutely Hamilton insane. is definitely more foundational than those oh, five yeah. years of the Civil War. 100%. It does. It just doesn't make any sense. And uh, anyway, but I just don't want to be seen as that. I'm not saying yes. that we shouldn't. It's not like I'm saying let's erase history in that sense or that you're erasing history in that sense. I'm just saying that I think it's a good thing for us to examine it and then grow. But I don't think that it's right for us to forget because I do think that it is important to, you know, remember what how this country was founded and how much we have been able to grow from that and change but also that that is why that we are in um for lack of a better word the pickle that we're in yes because it's like no this makes sense it's just you know hundreds of years of aggression <laughs> yeah you know i was reading this thing the other day about how germany has altogether banned any sort of symbol or even like a jokingly saluting uh nazi right. anything yeah and uh i was reading this like blog post about this person who was on this school field trip and they were at the place where hitler had been killed mm -hmm. or had died rather um and he had done like the little salute or whatever and the officers came and took him back and put him on a plane and sent him home the same day and it's like no we are beyond that. It's like, nope, that's not happening And anymore. it has taken, and I know that that's, you know, 80 plus years close yeah. to now to, to sort of not rewrite history, but to be like, no, we are going to reprogram how people mm -hmm. look at us because we can't be the world's bad guys yeah. anymore. Well, there's not enough Rocky movies anymore. I mean, Sylvester Stallone is too old, so they can't continue that Speaking forward. Russians. Oh, that's the Russians. Speaking <laughs> that's more of like an 80s bad guy oh cold whoops. war stuff james bond <laughs> yeah what F the 50 the 50s uh, until about the 90s the cold war stuff uh, i'm not the guy i'm not the guy to ask but anyway all that to say like i think it's okay that we acknowledge it and we can say that it's wrong right and that we have had to overcome this you know that this is something that we are working on as a country and it, this is also a way that we recognize why you know there is so much aggression 
and that we do need to make a change and that it's serious. Yes. Um, but anywho, it's, I, I All just that to say, I like, do how, think that how Hamilton, great is it that uh, Biden signed the Juneteenth? Uh, I know. Holiday. I think it's really awesome until the Democrats had to be super weird. That's what <laughs> I like. I don't know if you've seen this, but I was like, come on, you guys. Like, we just we just got this thing <laughs> and you got to be you got to oh, come on. They post. I saw this picture of like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck. You know, Chuck. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're close, me and Chuck. <laughs> it's some like senators and congressmen and stuff. And they were just, they're all like kneeling and they have that, the tribal scarf on. It's like, yeah. what is happening? Like, Stop. what are you doing? <laughs> Stop. I was like, one of, one of my, one of my friends actually had posted a picture of it. And there's like, we're so excited about Juneteenth until we realized that now we're going to have to see things like this. Mm-hmm. For the rest of our lives. And that is kind of true. It's just kind of like, you know, we should recognize it. And I, I mean, you know what is crazy? I did not, like, I was was educated in Louisiana. I've spent a lot of my life down here. I live here now. And I don't think that I knew anything about Juneteenth until, un, until I had moved back. And yeah. then I saw that there was a Juneteenth parade mm-hmm. and I was, and I asked a friend of mine, I was like, what is Juneteenth? And they were like, uh, <laughs> like, yeah. What? How is it even possible? Like that is a problem mm-hmm. as somebody who's interested in history and reads, I should have known about this. Like, how do I not know about this? It is definitely a cultural thing here. And well, it's, it's how I have to compare this all the time. Like when you're not baked into something, you just don't know. Right. In the same mm-hmm. way that like when we were in high school, the big popular thing was like skateboarding and pop punk and punk rock and, you know, things of that nature. And when you're not baked into that, you have no idea who skateboarders are, who the next yeah. pop punk band is other than like, oh, here's the. Yeah, but like, why weren't we taught that in school? Is that I mean, I know I, I probably was because I went to <laughs> yes. school where I went to school. But and same here. <laughs> I just cannot believe that that's not a part of the curriculum. Yeah. And I did see that Trevor Noah had posted about that. And he said um, that we now have a national holiday for Juneteenth, even though it's illegal to teach it in 10 states. Wow. Isn't that isn't that wild? That's, that's nuts to me. And you know one of those states is Texas. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. They don't have enough power to contain the heat or the... Uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, or to anyway, stave off the heat, rather. We I know that we just like cool. jumped down this weird little rabbit hole, but I do like I I hope that as time moves forward, that I'm able to figure out how to speak better on this. You yeah, know? because I do think that it is very important to to know and to to be able to speak about these things, even though it makes you know just because it makes me uncomfortable. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't have to talk about it. Well, I think because that's thing, kind of a part of my own privilege. Really. Yes, I think the thing that we have to be aware of, and and kind of what you were talking about right there, is that we have to be willing to learn and to listen. Right, and, and the, the not necessarily forward. in that order, but we have to be willing to be open to hearing things that are maybe hard to hear. Like, mm-hmm. why haven't we learned about Juneteenth? How did we not know about this until roughly five to six years ago? Right, right. And I think it's important that, okay, I was wrong then to not know about it, but I can be right now. Right. And what's really awesome is that 
it really shows you the power of a movement, you mm-hmm. know, like Black Lives Matter and the other uh, like political protests that have been going on, you know, really spurred the conversation for Juneteenth. I mean, this would not have happened. This would not have happened seven years ago. No. And, you know, it, it takes a lot to be able to get it. It feels like it takes a lot to get a small recognition. But I mean, at least things are moving forward in some sort of way, which is exciting. Um, which is another reason, reason why another reason reason <laughs> <laughs> another reason why I'm so excited for us to start working on To Kill a Mockingbird because I mean I I don't know I guess I just feel like that's my my way of doing something that I feel like is relevant and is important for people to learn yeah about so I I don't know I'm super excited about it well. So I do have a question, and I know this is a little off topic, but you'd kind of talked about in Peter Pan about having, you know, half the house sold. And I know that we're doing, there's just no, I like in my mind, there's no way that we don't have a lot of people coming to see To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. That being said, though, like if it was only, say, if you never sold another ticket to Peter Pan from right now and it's only half full, are you yeah. still okay with that? Like audience size and things like that? I'm yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, I I would be I would be I would probably be bummed mm-hmm. <laughs> because I want it to be full. Yeah. I want it to be as full as possible. As as many people as we can safely fit into that building, I want to do that. Not just for me, but you know, morale is pretty low everywhere in the theater community and yeah. I just want like I I think in a in a sense just for me personally, I feel like if we are able to, if if we're able to sell the kids show out like we have in the past, then it's almost like, hey, things are going to be okay. Things are things are still getting back to normal. Like this is what we used to do, and and it's happening again. And so then when we go into Mockingbird, it will probably be feeling, you know, like we'll still be selling some tickets. Mm-hmm. Like we will sell tickets. It's it's just not going to be an empty house. Yeah. Now, there is a whole other part of me that's like, it doesn't matter how many people are there. If there are three people in the audience, it's, it's, it's going to be fine. Like, w- at least then, three people will have seen it. Yeah. We will go bankrupt, but at least three people <laughs> would have seen the show. You know, I've done a show before, and there were only two people in the audience. And that's hard. when you're doing a show like Sylvia, then... Mm isn't to me personally saying a whole lot (laughs) like it would be important for me to tell the story of to kill a mockingbird to three people yeah it wouldn't it is just not the same weight to me when you're doing sylvia for it's also hard whenever you're not necessarily emotionally invested in either the company or the show and you're (laughs) like all right so i'm performing a show for less people in the audience than there are in the cast and there's four people in this cast and i'm not sure if yeah and there's four i'm not sure if this is a real rule or not but they're used I feel like I've heard this so many times. It's kind of like that that made up rule or lie or truth. Who knows that if if a professor is ten minutes late for a class, then yeah. you can leave. But if they have their doctorate, you have to wait fifteen. <laughs> I have I have never not waited. <laughs> I'm like I okay. So everybody knows that everybody does that, but that's not real. That's not like true. So. I was always told that in like professional productions, 
like equity productions, if the cast outweighs the audience, then you don't have to perform. Like, I, I've also heard that same thing too, and I just don't know if I've ever believed it because I think if you're in love with storytelling, yeah, you just want to tell the story anyway. Yeah. Now I could see if you were doing, you know, eight shows a week and you had a six month run on something and there's less people showing up every night, you're kind of yeah. like, yeah, no, I'm out. See yeah, ya. This is the end. I yeah, especially whenever you look at it in a community setting where you're just you're you're there to tell the story. Mm-hmm. So I mean. It wouldn't matter if it was a rehearsal. I think it's just the the idea of it, of this is the idea of we're going to put on this show and it could be so exciting if there was a full house because that there's there's just nothing like that. Yeah. And whenever you're doing the show for just a couple of people, it feels terrible from the get go. It just feels <laughs> yes. terrible. There's just no other way to talk about it. It's just kind of like you feel like you've been set up for failure in some kind of way because there's no way the laughs are going to be there. No. Those that small of an audience is going to feel so uncomfortable most of the times they're just be like, "Oh my god, we're the only two people here." See, it would be different like if you and I were in an audience, just the two of us. It's because we're so loud. Yeah, we would laugh so loud. But they we would, would like... also have paid a ticket to also perform is what it would have felt like because we would have been <laughs> yes. felt so bad for those actors. We would have been over laughing. Cuz you know how difficult it is. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I just, you know, I, I think if the story is worth telling, then you don't really care. Mm-hmm. But for example, like with, with Sylvia, I played the role of the guy who plays the three different characters that sort of weave in and out of the show. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't, I, I wasn't really like feeling the show to begin with. Yeah. And I know that it's like a Sarah Jessica Parker sort of originated role, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if I remember that correctly. I think that she, yeah, I think that she originated the dog. Yeah, Sylvia. And I, and, it, and it's just like, it's not my favorite show. But regional theaters and community theaters love that show. And I think it's because people think it's funny. Somebody gets to be a dog on stage. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows they're being a dog. Um and there's only a cast of four. Yeah. So it's But there is like produced. an emotional beating heart that happens, you know, by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Where the wife like comes to view her in the same way that the husband does. And she's a part of their family. Sure. But. But do we need it? <laughs> do we do we need it? Do we need I it? Probably know. not. Probably not. Um, you know, so uh, I haven't talked to you about this yet, but. We, I, I just had have just saw the other day um, that Theater Baton Rouge is doing a like high school, like a teenage production of Twelfth Night that I'm I think we're going to go watch. Let's go, see, go it. see it. Dude, I'm, um, I'm in 100 percent. I think I'm just I would be really interested to see these high school kids do Shakespeare. I just think it would be kind of cool. See oh, how they like cut it down and stuff. I do have a question for you that's interesting, because when we were doing the the class, we had talked about making certain cuts to, you know, longer monologues in Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. How do you feel about cuts in a full-on Shakespeare show? A hundred percent, you will do it. Oh my God, please, God, <laughs> please cut the show. Is that not what you were expecting? Because, dear God, cut the show. If you don't, then you end up in a four-hour Hamlet. Yeah. Nobody wants to see Hamlet for four hours. If Shakespeare would have written his plays today. They would have been about a hundred pages shorter. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, it just there's no way they would have been that long. 
I mean, it would have been very different. But if he, w- I, I feel like that it's a complete stamp of stamp of approval. If you see it, then yes, go for it. You should cut it, 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 cut it. Cut it. I have been in, an, I have been in Shakespeare uncut, the director's cut, uncut, Shakespeare's original, Hamlet, four hours long. Was, uh, kill me now. It was so long. <laughs> and it just, you lose your audience. There's no yeah. way you're going to keep your audience. And there's just, there are ways to tell the story. I mean, I feel like I've, I've never done in the professional world, I've never done a, a, a Shakespeare's, any of Shakespeare's plays where the director has not cut the show. The best Shakespeare that you're, like, versions of shows that you're ever going to see are at least an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half long. Yeah. Tops. You do not want to hit the three-hour mark. On any (laughs) show. You do not want to do that. On any show. I mean, I felt the same way whenever we were doing, um, you know, any of the classical musicals that we've done. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, we do not need a ballet in the middle of it. We don't need it. (laughs) Like, We don't need the the jitterbug. Rodgers and Hammerstein's dream ballets. Like, we're not in that. God, yeah. We're not at that. That's in every one of their shows. We're not at that point anymore. Things need to happen a little bit quicker. And it's, you know, maybe that's a little sad, but I do feel like it is just kind of trimming the fat of some of the shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, Shakespeare will spend 150 lines telling you about the sunrise. Like a shepherd will tell you about a sunrise for 150 lines. Yeah. That's one of the monologues. And it's just, it's it's a lot. And sure, it's beautiful, but do you really need that to tell the story? And that's what I think any, I think that's the lesson that you get from cutting Shakespeare is if if you don't need it necessarily to tell the story, then it should go away. Yeah. I mean, I've done shows where whole characters have disappeared and been absorbed into other characters just because they had a couple of lines that were like, I'm a lord. They're like, give that to this other guy <laughs> yeah. and he'll just stay in the scene. I think it's, <clears throat> I wonder if it's sort of the evolving times in that, you know, that was one of the, the more... I don't want to say primary because I think it was a very privileged thing to be able to go to the theater back in the day. But I, I wonder if it was, you know, our attention spans today are much shorter yeah. than back then. Well, so if you paid a ticket, shorter. you wanted to be at the theater for as long as possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they were at the theater for a long time, you know, at the at the Globe. They mm-hmm. you they had the penny seats, I mean, where you could go there and sit or stand actually in the basically in the um like right next to the stage. Yeah. And if you, I think it was Which like are a, arguably the best scenes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but you had to stand for the entire thing. But that's also where, um, because they had other forms of entertainment in there. You know, they had a band on yeah. stage, which is why the RSC still honors that. And they have the band up there um, that plays uh, the, the Royal Shakespeare Company. They still do that. They have a band that plays music. Um, it's actually where opera came from. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew that. Um, but they would do that in like the intermission. They would have somebody go up there and sing, do these small stories yeah. that were all sung. And so, I mean, it, it's just people wanted to go and be a part of the, it, it was almost like a little theater festival. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think of it that way. Um, and also it was like, that was the, inter- you were going to do that and then you were going to leave. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was well. It's like you talked about that one time, talking about making a whole day or night of it, right? Yeah, there was it was an event. Yeah, it was definitely an event. Um, and I think that people just enjoyed listening and a lot more. There was a it was a lot more auditory society back mm-hmm. then. 
um, telling stories that way where now we're so much more visually stimulated than they would have been. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it, it was not like they had any, any real sets back then. They might've had a couple of pieces, but yeah. really it was just them on a wooden stage. That was it, you know? And so now it's very, very different. I mean, I'm doing a kid's show where I'm, swinging children around all over the place. I mean, yeah. it's very, and, <laughs> and you're micing them up too, which is mm -hmm. crazy to think about. Like, you know, amphitheaters back in the day were sort of the standard and you, they still like kind of exist. Those outdoor didactic, you know, oh, yeah. old Greece or Grecian type of like theaters and stuff like that. And it's so amazing to me that they were wearing these big masks mm -hmm. back in the day. And you could, you could hear them, no matter where you sit. Well, still to this day, if you go to the theater of Dionysus in Athens and you stand in the middle and you whisper, the people at the top of the theater can hear you. Yeah, that's insane Because they to were me. just so aware of, you know, how they were building it. And those masks that they actually wore, they, um, they believe that they actually built in these kind of megaphone shapes mm -hmm. that went right over their mouth. So it would also help amplify. And then around the stage, just their knowledge of it, um, around the stage, they had like a foot of water that would just sit there so that the sound would hit that water and bounce, bounce off up, in all yeah. different directions. I mean, it's just the ways that they got around not having a sound system. You like, know? I wonder how many failures they had to have before. I mean, obviously, like science evolves as you go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've come to the point now where we can talk really l low and do those kind of Marlon Brando type of realistic acting you remembered his name i try every that episode the, that like the how first can one. i weave in marlon brando and just <laughs> finally say his name but you know he was he was sort of a pioneer for i think of it like being Alec in the Baldwin. moment yeah okay because he's like he, he whispers all the time. yeah you know he kind of whispers but even still like he's mic'd up when he acts yeah Tina Fey was talking about him on 30 Rock. She said, half the time I couldn't hear a thing he said. <laughs> well, you know, making fun of The Flash, like I'm all about it these days because it's hot garbage, right? Mm -hmm. um, these guys are standing in these big superhero films miles apart. <laughs> and, and they're just talking like this. And they have these, you know, these big things on over their heads and they're talking very low like me and you to make it more dramatic. I can't hear a word they're yeah, saying. Yeah, there's no way that anybody would ever hear that. You're just editing around. I guess he's done talking, so <laughs> let me just say my lines. <laughs> hey, so we've kind of hit this point now where I think that you and I are feeling the effects already of what it's like to be super busy and then trying to fit everything in. Yes. And, um, you know, we already, I already like we, we talked about like I've already been to the theater today. I've worked in the yard today and then we're here doing this today. And you are kind of doing all the same thing. Yes. Um, and I apologize for being a little later than I said I would be here. Yeah. So basically, I'm just going to say this is Chris's fault. <laughs> <laughs> but we have ultimately run out of time. Yeah, we are we are doing a shorter episode. And, you know, I we talked about things changing and evolving and I'm. I'm interested and I had said that I was interested to see how the podcast is going to change and evolve. And I think that we like I never see a time where we're not doing this, to be honest. Yeah, I feel um, like this is a part of my life now. Yeah, and I it love is, it. It is a part of our life. And um, but I am interested to see how it is, you know, how we we come to a place where it fits into our schedules and that it doesn't suffer. Because I think, um, you know, doing a whole bunch of 
a whole bunch of something and having it terrible is awful. <laughs> yes. But doing a little bit of something and having it awesome. Yeah. Is so much better, which is why you should cut Shakespeare. <laughs> that was a nice. That was that was a nice. You don't often land the you, plane, but I you did. You did, did this it. time. You did that to me. You brought you brought up that subject knowing that I was going to get all hot and fiery. <laughs> you didn't know what direction I was going to go. <laughs> well, we were talking about like audience size and like cutting things, and I just I just I've never asked your opinion on how you felt about cutting Shakespeare. Oh, cut the Shakespeare so bad. Well, you know, this is actually episode 42, and I feel like um, to make a Hitchhiker's Guide joke, we've answered, uh, you know, what is the meaning of life with this episode? It's 42? It's 42. I thought it was 23. Mm -mm. You're thinking of the Jim Carrey movie. Oh, that's a whole other other mm -hmm. thing. Well, it's a good thing you and I both have our towels. That's a Hitchhiker's Guide thing. Oh, my God, yes. Jesus, you look at me like that, like I'm insane. (laughs) You caught me off guard. I didn't think you'd... Oh, man. (laughs) Anyway, we should probably probably get out there because I know your wife's making dinner for us No, I know. We should definitely go. Um, Hey, so thanks for, for, you know, experiencing this experience. Yeah. With with you and me. And us. Yeah. So I will say, uh, if you haven't, Come see Peter Pan at the Fox. Please do. It's a great time. Also check out uh, Redbubble. Oh my gosh, yes. I do. Oh my God, before we leave, I saw my very first person wearing a Play on Theater t-shirt today. Really? Sure did. It was a green one. Looked fabulous. And I got like overly excited. I really just wanted to like run up and be like, that's my okay. <laughs> You were giddy, weren't you? <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but anyway, hey, that is Chris. That was Cody. I got nothing. Never mind. <laughs> that was really great, though. That was a really good lead in. Cine, 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 Let's partners. Start.